If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hi everyone, this is Erin Sadler, and today I am interviewing Vanessa at Out of the Box STEM. Vanessa is an expert on all things standards-based grading. Nicole and I have gotten so many questions about standards-based grading that I asked Vanessa to come on and talk about this transformative practice. So Vanessa, can you start by telling us a little bit about you and your teaching experience? Um, my name is Vanessa Logan Wentzloff, and I'm a physics teacher in uh, Auburn Hills, Michigan, which is about 30 minutes outside of uh, Detroit. And I'm actually going to my sixth year teaching. And I've been working over the last few years, um, about a three year, we're on year three uh, integration of NGSS into our school. And it's been a wild ride. And yeah, standards-based grading has been my big focus over the last two years too. Sweet. Um, so I read your blog post on standards-based grading, and um, one of the things that you talk about is like the game of school, and I really like that phrase. Um, I think about it often in my classroom, but can you just explain for the listeners what that is? So I also love the game of school, and I know I say it to people, sometimes they get a little offended, um, but I was really good at playing the game of school, um, which means that you are able to figure out, okay, I can still get all B's on my tests, you know, kind of skate by, but if I do all my homework and participate, that's going to equal an A at the end. Um, so sometimes when we look at our high achieving students, or even our middle of the ground students, they might actually not have the knowledge base that we want, but they're just good at playing this game. They can kind of figure out what grades they'll get based off of, you know, the percentages for how much homework is, um, extra credit, for example. Um, so a lot of kids are great at playing this, but as you may figure out later in life, I uh, can't play that game anymore. Yeah, I definitely was really good at the game of school. And then I got to college and I was like, um, I don't know how to like do this when it's <laughs> all like based on test grades and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I totally get that. Um, so can you just talk briefly about what standards-based grading is? Yeah, so standards-based grading is, very opposite of what we do kind of traditionally for grading. So most traditional grading, just for example, you might be 60% tests and assessments, 20% uh, homework, and 20%, let's say, participation. Um, and if we look at 
students taking that test, for example, um, a couple students may all get 40 out of 50, but they sometimes get completely different questions wrong. Um, and as a teacher, this doesn't really maybe show us what our students actually know. We just see they got 40 out of 50. Um, so standards-based grading is taking away all those percentages. Every single thing in the class is based off of standards. And those standards are either content-based standards or skill-based standards. Um, so we're looking at a progression over time. And at the end of either that unit or the semester, what is their current level of knowledge? So along those ways, those little formative assessments are important, but that's not like the grade. Um, it's really focused on that assessment at the end. Awesome. So like logistically, how does that work in your classroom? Like how does that work for grading and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's very different. Um, so what I start off with is uh, what I call a standard sheet. And um, we go through all the standards to start and students pre-assess. Um, and for example, we will take one standard and we'll learn about do inquiry, assess ourselves, practice more, assess ourselves. And at the end, there's some type of authentic learning assessment. Um, about that skill and then that let's say they get I use a four base a four point based skill scale and um, let's say the students at the end of three um, that means proficiency so that's if we're talking about what goes in the grade book that's what goes in those formative assessments along the way that's just to kind of see where they are but at the end for that assessment that's what's important to us so then how do you keep track of the formative assessment piece if it's not necessarily like going in your grade book yeah, so I keep track two ways. First of all, I keep track, the students keep track. So there's a lot of self-assessment. I think the most, the best part about standards-based grading is that it's student-driven and them self-assessing or assessing each, each other is honestly some of the best tools. Um, however, you know, they, they take time to go through and actually like assess themselves on a sheet, but then I actually go through um, on my own, just on a clipboard, and when we're going through things, I'll also assess them. Um, and then when we have kind of our final assessment for that standard, um, the students will rate themselves, and I'll also give them a rating. So it's a very like powerful teacher and student kind of uh, collaboration for their grades. Well, that's awesome. So like, then what do the day-to-day -day tasks look like in your classroom? Because that, if, I think a lot of what we do in the classroom is based on grading students. So if we kind of take that component away, what does that look like in your classroom? Yeah. So I think when we talk about backward planning, standards-based grading is like the ultimate reason why. Uh, so whenever I start off a unit, I look at um, my SEPs and I decide which one I'm going to focus on. Um, and then basically I always talk about how it's practice. Like everything we're doing is practice for that assessment piece. Um, so for instance, at the beginning of the year when I had to claim evidence reasoning, uh, we spent a lot of time just like the practicing of it. And by that, doing different examples, doing different modeling activities with CERs. But they knew we were finally working up to that final assessment for that skill that skill set of um, CERs. So it's more of like a mind shift change. Mm -hmm. uh, the kids are constantly practicing and they're in the mindset of this is like, it's like, uh, you know, playing a sport, like practice, practice for that assessment there, um, which is, sounds kind of odd and maybe you're getting to it, but how do kids even 
care if you're not giving them a grade. Right. And that was one of the things, like one of the arguments about against standards-based grading is that I always hear teachers say, well, then, you know, how do you motivate the students to like do work in your class if they're not being graded for that, if they're not being given points for that? Yeah, that's the question I get the most (laughs) whenever (laughs) we talk about this at conferences or with colleagues or whatever. Um, I think it's the mind shift change. And I know that's like kind of a, you know, not exactly the answer everyone wants to hear, but students will care if they understand why. And I truly believe that takes kind of a, a, a unit or two for the kids to fully latch on. But, you know, if, if we think about the kids that playing the game of school, mm-hmm. this is the hard part for them because they realize, oh, I actually have to show what I know mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, you know, just getting points for doing my homework. Right. And what's cool is like the kids in the, you know, the lower kids academically are the kids who just feel like they don't like school. It's actually great for them because they are not worrying about those little things in the middle that's graded, all those missing assignments. They are strictly focused on practicing for that assessment. Um, So it kind of brings all the kids onto the same playing field, which is uh, what I love about it the most. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's a lot of kids who are penalized because they are not good at playing the game, that they're, you know, they're able to understand the material, they're able to perform on the assessment, but they can't play that game. They don't have the support at home, so they're not doing their homework, Mm -hmm. or they're disorganized, so they're not getting points for their notebook or something like that, and Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that standards-based grading does a really good job of kind of shifting that, that imbalance. It really does. Um, and one of the, I guess, the big complaints um, that I've started to hear and when I read other people's articles and experiences is how grades actually tend to be a bit lower in standards-based grading classrooms. Um, I use a Marzano four-point scale and a three, which is proficiency, is a 90%. A minus, and that really gets people. Um, but I think it's kind of good in a way um, because it does, I think, help students realize that just playing that game or you know having all the assignments in, yeah, that's valuable. But you, your knowledge is what's more important. Um, so I've tried to come across that with students. Um, but they've also started to realize that, oh, wait, she isn't just like grading every single thing or, you know, it's about what I know at the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then what does that look like in your grade book? Have you had to like adjust your grade book in order to account for that? Or, I mean, like, cause there's that technical piece where you can't just put in, you know, like a, a three and have it you know mean something. Right. So just to like explain it again for those listening, um, when I talk about a three on a four point scale, there's not 75%, that is a 90%. And in your grade book, obviously that won't work. Um, so there's several techniques. I actually trick my grade book um, into a scored as portion. So actually all the grades are put in as four out of fours. And then this little like scored as option will actually change it into five to three, it'll change it to a 90%. So that is how I switch it. Um, But there's a lot of other techniques. I know people use different programs or like websites. Um, But unfortunately, I know some people are in my position where you have to use the grade book that the county or district or whatever buys. Um, So it's sometimes difficult 
but you can always find a way around your grade book. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) I've even, um, I've done this in the past and we're lucky enough to where I can manipulate the percentage that was associated with the grade. So, um, that's how I've done it before, but, um, there, there are other things that you sometimes have to deal with. Like, you know, for example, the district might say 90% is an A, so you can't, you know, like make that adjustment within, um, yeah, like that. There's, you know, I think that's one of the the challenges in standards-based grading is just the, like the logistical part of it. Um, and yes, getting people to understand it is, but getting your, you know, I think one of the points is also your administration has to understand it and why you're doing it. I'm in a position where I'm lucky about that, but I, I think they also have to understand why you're doing it. Um, and if they do, typically you can get around all the other problems. <laughs> so then if, um, if so much of the grade is based on the assessment, what about those students who like struggle with test taking? How do you address those students? So there's two different things. Um, the first one is reassessment. So part of standards-based grading is that reassessment is built into everything. Um, and, you know, I was a teacher when I first started teaching who said, no, you should know it the first time. And I know a lot of us feel like that, but reassessment's important because I was a student, once again, who did not take tests well. So first of all, it's the reassessment. Um, if we also think about what's going on in kids' lives, sometimes they know, you know, they're taking all these other classes. It might be difficult, but that reassessment piece is important. Um, the second piece is changing what an assessment looks like. Um, so unless in my AP physics class is the only class where it's like traditional tests. Yeah. Um, but the rest of mine are all authentic experiences um, where they're, doing something, whether it's modeling or, you know, a lab or something um, to show their knowledge in either the skill or the content piece. Um, So I think it takes away some of that like nervousness with the tests. Um, And also typically I let students also work on it outside of class too, so that they can take that time to like bring something that's high quality. Uh, So the main point though, that I always like to like focus on is the reassessment portion. Um, cause the standards based grading, that is what sets it apart. Any other type of grading, <laughs> hands down. So what you're saying is, is that your assessments are more performance based. Yeah. Yes. Almost so, primarily. So could you give us an example of like an assessment that you might give in your class? Yeah. So when we were doing some of the, um, trying to think, we were doing some content, we were doing some skill based on, um, basically like or to make it easier, procedures and variables. Mm-hmm. And I have rubrics, all those things go along with it. So our practice along the way, we did two different design labs. Um, and I gave them feedback, they gave each other feedback, they assessed each other, all those things. And then we had our final one, which was on refraction. And they, this was like their, their, you know, they did the practice, here was the final assessment. And through this, they made their own lab, they designed it, they did it, and then they wrote up um, their lab report. Um, so yes, they were writing full lab report, but I was assessing only on two standards. Um, so that's something also important about this is I'm not, not you know, grading 40 out of 50 for something. Is I was just looking at two standards. So yes, they wrote the whole thing, but I was looking at only two uh, standards that went along with it. Awesome. So where are you with like your NGSS implementation, because I think that writing the assessments is really like 
um, it's kind of the tricky piece is getting those assessments in place so that you can really do standards. Yeah. Yeah, it is challenging. Um, my school is on about year three of our implementation. Um, so over, you know, all our classes, we've really switched to this authentic assessment piece. And I think with standards-based grading, that is one of the only ways to assess. Mm -hmm. um, if we're thinking about skills, I, our SEPs are all skill-based. Mm -hmm. um, and in our district, we took a really long time as a whole department to make rubrics for each SEP and each part of it. So we actually use these throughout all the classes. You know, you take biochem or physics, we're using all the same rubrics for those skills. So it was actually really easy to implement standards-based grading with that because the SEPs break down to really great, easy standards to assess on. So you, so you use the same rubric basically in all subjects at your yeah. school? Yeah, so for the content, for, no, sorry, not content, for the skills, um, SEPs, yeah, we all use the same one. So it's cool because the kids start out in biology, you know, they'll see the modeling rubric, then they'll see it again in chem, then they'll see it again in physics. So it's like they're also practicing through that mm -hmm. uh, and getting all those skills. And I, you know, I teach physics, so I get them last most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm actually able to see that skill development as we go. Um, and every year, how kids are more and more advanced in those NGSS practices than the kids before that. Well, that's awesome. That really helps you to like build that progression across grade levels. Um, so then, so you would want students to meet all of the components of a science and engineering practice in order to meet proficiency, but what would something that's lower than proficiency look like? Are you talking about like a two or a one? Yeah, like a two or a one. So typically when I, when I look at our rubrics, we're talking about that if we get to that two or one range, especially two, um, two, they're able to identify or, you know, if, just talking about variables, for example, uh, if we're talking about just like controls, um, sometimes students can only identify one mm -hmm. or can you, or maybe they identify one, can explain it, but can't really talk about other things. Um, that's more of our two or our one range. When we're talking about that because one of the things that you know just for control variables a lot of times students can't identify these even though how important or even explain why um, these are our controls so when we start looking at those two to one ranges that's when kids can identify some parts but not fully be able to explain it awesome yeah uh, yeah well, one one cool thing um is what final assessments look like Oh, yeah. I get a lot when I, I go to and I talk about this at conferences. So in you know, most schools, it's like 15% of the, you know, whatever it is. But if you look at standards-based grading, that would make absolutely no sense to do right. that. So the final is actually a reassessment of previous standards. So that's kind of their last way to reassess. So we're ending our semester in January, and the students have like two separate parts of their final, and they're actually reassessing about eight standards that's from awesome. early in the year. So it, you know, and that's probably 30% or 40% of all their standards for the year. So the kids get a really good chance to once again show what they know. Um, and, you know, you might be saying, my administration wouldn't get onto that. Yes, they would. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think that most administrators are moving towards this concept of, like, giving students more chances rather yeah. than, you know, like, 
having, you know, very like finalized grades and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I've read, you know, as I started presenting this more and talking to people about it, I started reading a lot of like horror articles on standards-based grading. And one of the, the worst things that a school district can do, I truly believe in this, is the everyone has to do standards-based grading at the same time mm-hmm. and flip over as a district. Um, I think it may, works a little bit better in elementary school, but at the middle and high school level, it is absolutely terrifying. And it ruins the point of it right. because teachers and parents don't understand and kids don't. Um, so when we think about implementation, it has to come from like teachers up. Um, I, myself, and then, so physics and algebra one are the only that do standards-based grading. Um, but there's a lot of other subjects who are starting to look at it, Mm -hmm. um, just because it helps students be more successful at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that there's, um, there's a lot of work on the front end, kind of setting everything up. Um, so you have to have buy-in in order to make that piece happen. Oh yeah. And I, I address it from day one too. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I address that this is how we're assessed. And, um, I basically go through the same talk that I give adults at conferences mm-hmm. with students, um, because they're pretty, they can see why, um, missing assignments I know are some of the biggest problems for teachers. And there's kids who fail classes literally because of missing assignments. Right. We actually had a class at our school created because of missing assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely creepy. So, you know, when I looked at standards based grading, that was one of the reasons I did it. Yeah, definitely. literally yeah. Just missing assignments. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, so would you say that this is, um, like less work with grading overall? Um, you know, I really thought about that over the last couple months. Um, and for me personally, I think it's a little bit less, um, However, it's a kind of different type of grading because it's a bit more holistic. Um, so when I think about how much time I spent grading, it might be a little bit less. Um, but it's also the fact you're getting all the assessments at the same time for all your classes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really split up. And that's kind of the problem I run into. But I'm also a procrastinator of grading. So <laughs> maybe not really the best question. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I, I don't really know anyone who is like, yeah, I want to do grading. And, you know, so I think that, that for most of us, if we're going to procrastinate on something, that's going to be, yeah. 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 Is there anything else that you want to like talk about or? um. Um, you know, one of the, one of the key pieces, I guess, uh, when we think about standards-based grading is, I think I've said it, but just the mind shift, the mind shift change has to happen. Um, Cause if you are doing it and you don't fully understand why, or like you don't really have like the rubric set up, it is, it takes away from like the meaningfulness of it. Um, and while I don't have any hard data to show this, I can say that students who are not like school kids who tell me they don't like school do better because they, they don't, they don't have to play the game. They're not good at it anyway. Um, they're just able to, you know, be successful on their own. Um, and also reading about it is probably the most important part. I read about three, four books before I even, you know, started to dig into it. Do you have any recommendations um, for books that are good to read before you? Yeah, start? my favorite is Grading from the Inside Out. And it was very powerful because it 
kind of takes it, it gives you situations and why standards-based grading works and really takes you through like the ins and outs. Um, Marzano also does a lot of work on it with um, formative assessment. A lot of the different books talk about, basically talk about standards-based grading with formative assessment. Um, and there are a lot of other books I think I listed on my blog post that always talk about, but those, those are my personal favorites. Okay, awesome. We'll definitely link to your blog post and then I will link to those books as well. Yeah. Um, how are parents responding to the standards-based grading? Um, so overall parents have been very like cool with it. I haven't really had any problems and I will say that because I set up myself for success at the beginning of the school year. Like I took time to explain it to parents, explain it to students. And also when you hear, oh, you don't have to worry about missing work. Parents also get very happy, um, but I'm also very intentional on how I put things in the grade book. For instance, we just had an, uh, an assessment portion that had three different standards on it. And where I said teacher comments, I always write down what the assessment was. Um, so if kids didn't turn it in or something like that, parents were able to see it or I could address it with the student. Um, but I've had a lot of success. Some students, don't, some parents don't fully get it because it's so different, but mm -hmm. most of the time, it is cool for them to see, oh, my student's doing well, really well on like this topic, but maybe not so much on this other one. So I think it is helpful from just like a learning standpoint. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this, but I want to make sure that we're, like, <laughs> we're really hitting those key points because I think that um, for a lot of people, standards-based grading is such a new concept that mm -hmm. you just want to get those broad strokes. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you interviewing about this because it's just a topic that, like you said, people are hearing about and but don't, it's kind of almost, it's a very holistic way to grade and it's right. kind of opposite every other way we've been grading for hundreds of years. So, but it is very powerful and for everybody involved. So, yeah. And um, we'll link to all your contact information and all that so that people can reach yeah. out to you um, if they have Definitely. questions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thanks again, Vanessa, for coming on and giving us some information about standards-based grading. You can connect with Vanessa on Instagram at out of the box STEM. That's S-T-E-M. We also have her blog post on standards-based grading linked in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the Teaching Science in 3D podcast, make sure that you're subscribed so that you can get notifications when new episodes are available. Also, your reviews and ratings help make the podcast more visible to other science teachers who might benefit, so we really appreciate you leaving those. Next week, Nicole and I will discuss the strategies that you can use to accommodate students with IEPs and English language learners in your NGSS aligned classroom. I look forward to meeting up with you next week. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, 
I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.